You're listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to master the stock market and the art of being a dad. So pull up your cargo shorts, put on your grass-stained New Balances, and let's throw some stocks on the grill. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Sabala. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am joined by DJ Brown. And we are having a quick little emergency recording here, discuss some, you know, recent changes in the market and hopefully help you guys to not freak out so much. So I'll pass over to DJ to go into that a little deeper, (laughs) even though he's freaking out. (laughs) Calling it an emergency recording doesn't help, (laughs) but (laughs) no, it's not an emergency. And that's exactly what we're here to talk about. Obviously, there's been a shift in the market. And a lot of people are, you know, running around like the world is ending because there are little tiny dips in the tech space, at least just little ones. I'm fine. My armpits aren't sweating or anything, you know, but I'm new to this and stuff like you guys know. So as always, we brought in old faithful, good and trusty Mike Tedeschi, who has been with us a number of times. So I'm not going to bore everybody with another introduction of Mike, but Mike is a phenomenal and you know the stock dads professor he educates us in the discord and does all of our stock dads academy videos and is just a wealth of knowledge for the stock dads community and for all of his clients so you know just wanted to bring him on a little bit today and talk about the i don't know what to call it mike and that's what you're gonna have to help us is a correction are we crashing is it a rotation what i mean let's just kind of dive right in what do you want to call it i would i would call this a rotation at the moment all right so one of the things I always want to pay attention to is I want to pay attention to the broad markets, not the broad market, the markets, meaning I like to look at the NASDAQ, I like to look at the Dow, I like to look at the S&P 500, and I'll also look at the Russell. And then I'll look at some sectors underneath the surface as well. One of the, you know, couple of the really key ones to take a look at is going to be financials. If you're, if you're wanting to pay attention to a space, financials are a very good thing to pay attention to. And semiconductors, right? That gives you some good example in terms of risk taking in that regard. So when looking across the spectrum of all the different indexes, they're telling us some different things right now. And this is why I said I think we're having rotation instead of a crash or a correction or whatever you want to call it. If you look at the banking index, the banking index made a new all-time high two days ago and is actually up for the day today. And it is up now year to date about 15%, depending on which of the banking indexes you actually look at. And hold on, sorry, Mike, just for everybody's context that's listening to this after the recording, it is currently March 5th, 2021. So the day that everybody is super hyper panicked, it's Friday right now. That's why we wanted to do this recording to just kind of calm nerves and educate people a little bit on this kind of stuff. So sorry, Mike, just wanted to make sure everyone knew what day we're talking about. When yeah, it's important. And the year is 2021, in case you wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got your Futurama background. So, you know, that might be maybe from the future, which is why you're so good at this. So, <laughs> all right, back to you. Sorry. So, yeah, I mean, the banking index that I'm looking at, it's up 15% for the year. The transports is another good thing to take a look at, you know, up for the year about 10%. And then we come in and we start talking about tech. And tech is now down for the year about 4%. Two weeks ago, tech was up about 10% for the year. 
So that's a pretty large slide in the tech arena. And if you are concentrated inside of tech names, the last week or two have not felt good, which is really what we want to talk about because it's not just what's happened over the last two weeks, it's what's happened over the last 10 years. The last 10 years, growth has been where the money has been made and value has been left by the side of the road. So lots of money losing companies that have interesting growth stories and potential large futures, the market bid up and was paying very, very high multiples for. And that has been in play, again, for like the last decade. Over the last two weeks, we've seen money come out of that area and go into areas that haven't performed well, really, for the last decade, right? If we look at the banking index, the banking index made a new all-time high this year, made a marginal one, I think, in the beginning of last year. But before that, like it hadn't done anything really since 2007. In fact, if you invested in the banking index in 2007, you are up 10% today. So that is a decade and you know four years, and it's gone essentially nowhere. So it's just starting to make its original breakout. So if that's the case, if we're actually seeing the market shift from growth back into value, which is you wanted to be the opposite for the last 10 years, you've wanted to be in growth, not in value names, that could really cause you know some more selling off inside the tech. But there's Lots of areas of strength out there still at the moment. Oil names have done extremely well. Anything commodity-wise has done extremely well. Copper has done extremely well. Uranium has done well, right? Those are areas of the market nobody was talking about over the last three, five, six, seven, ten 10 years because they haven't done anything. So we could be getting that clean rotation. It could be the start of value outperforming growth moving forward. We don't have the answer to that question yet. But that is certainly what could be occurring here at this moment. That's why, you know, panic wise, I'm not panicked because if everything was going down together, if all of the indexes looked the same way tech did over the last two weeks, I'd be concerned. But because it's just in one area of the market, money is coming out of that area and it's going into other areas. And that's what rotation is rotation is leaders slowly drop off and the money comes out of them as people take profits and they put it in other areas of the market. When we get large corrections and crashes, money just comes out of the market. It doesn't go back into anything. And so that's what we can do as traders and investors. We can look at the different areas of the market and see if everything's going down together or if it's just one section of the market. And if it's one section of the market, it's a lot less concerning. So I have kind of a two-part question going off that. So you know, with the recent kind of boom with retail investors over COVID and everything like that, this could be the first time a lot of those people are experiencing, you know, losses like this or the correction, whatever, in the tech sector. Can you just, I guess, share some words of wisdom, like how they can navigate that? You know, at this point, they're probably down a little bit being if they're invested heavily in tech, you know, like how can they mitigate that at this point? Okay. Well, there's a couple of things that we can do. First and foremost, we're going to take losses from time to time. All right. And that's normal. And that's something if you haven't experienced it before, it can be gut wrenching. It can really hurt. It can put you in an emotional you know, spot where you're, oh no, like what do I do here? And that makes a lot of sense. That's kind of what's supposed to happen. But you know, being the first time that you've experienced it, there's going to be a lot of lessons that you can take away. If your account dropped 60% in the last two weeks, right, you're obviously taking on too much risk. Because markets pull back 
again, the NASDAQ at this point in time is an index, you know, down a little over 10% here over the last two weeks. So if you're down a lot more than 10%, your leverage is probably too high. And one of the ways moving forward that you can really help mitigate taking those big crushing down draws is through proper risk management. So if I'm trading, I'm risking, you know, half a percent, maybe 1% per trade, right? And I've got five, six trades on at a time. If the market just completely falls apart, I'm going to get stopped out of those positions. And that happens every once in a while. But because I'm only risking half a percent or 1% per name, I get stopped out of five, six positions. I've lost three to 5% of my account. It doesn't really hurt. And it gives me the ability to kind of reset myself and kind of look at it and go, wow, you know what? I was in all tech and I got stopped out of all these things. But Comcast is making new highs and you know, oil names are making new highs. The banks are going up. Maybe I should look at moving some of my capital into some of these other areas that are working. And that's kind of how rotation is supposed to work. You're going to get stopped out of the names that weren't working because that's where you should have had money for the last 10 years. Really, for the last year, for sure, it's in tech. So if you're getting stopped out of things, that's fine. That's what that, that risk management is for. If you don't have stops in your position and you're watching your account balance just drop and drop and drop and drop, it's really, really difficult. I wrote this in the room and it's true. Before we enter a trade, we're the smartest we're ever going to be. All right. Before we get into a trade, we got nothing on the line. We got no emotions. We have no risk. We are as smart as we're going to be. Once we get into a trade, everyone, including myself, becomes a bumbling idiot. <laughs> we all do, right? Because as soon as something goes down, we're looking at our PL, we see losses, we go, oh, this doesn't feel good. I should add to my position to try to get it back quickly. Or, oh my goodness, I've got to get out of my positions because it's just going to go to zero. We start acting crazy and irrational. And that's because money has a very strong emotional component to it. So if I enter a trade and I have a mechanical system in place, I have a physical hard stop in the market, it doesn't matter what my emotions are. I'm going to get stopped out if it breaks down. And if it doesn't break down, I'm not going to get stopped out. I just let the system play out. If we don't have a system in place, that's where we really run into problems because it breaks below where you had your mental stop and you go, I think it's going to come back. And then it breaks below like, oh my goodness, I've taken a 20% loss. Now it has to come back. Let me add to the position. Then it goes down another 10%. And all of a sudden, what was supposed to be a $500 you know, risk on a trade, you're now down eight grand. And that is something almost everybody does in the beginning of their trading career because you just haven't experienced it before. You don't know how to react. And it's a very eye-opening experience when it does happen. The good thing is, is that won't happen to you again as long as you implement plans and take a lesson away from what just occurred. And that's the most important piece. If you take a loss, it's fine. Learn from it. Don't make the same mistakes again. Don't pay Mr. Market tuition for the same thing over and over again. Right. And that was kind of my second question with that. People are in these stocks and they're down and they've dropped so far. I feel like a lot of people are saying, you know, it has to bounce soon. So for people that are in that position, would you suggest just taking the loss and moving on? Or would you like, should they hold? Like, what are your thoughts on that? So my thought on that is it's not just as clear as get out, right? You're supposed to get out at your level, but if that level has been breached and now you're 20% lower, there may be another level on the chart. Okay. So let's say, for example, you bought a stock at $120 a share. And you said you were going to sell it if it fell to $100. It got to $100 and then it kept falling. And now it's at 80. You're now $20 under where you want to be. But you look at the chart and you go, man, if I was taking a brand new trade right now, 
I'm okay with owning this because the next major level of support is at 75. If you try to take an objective look at it, you go, wow, I only have five more points worth of risk from right here to a major level of support. If I wasn't in, I might buy right now. Well, then you should set a physical stop at that 75 level and go with it. If you don't see any area of support, it's way below anywhere where you want to own it. You think the thing is just kind of gone, just get out. It's okay to book the loss, all right? But it's not just indiscriminately, let me just sell and get out. We still need to utilize the chart and make sure if we're going to exit a position, we're doing it at a level we don't want to own it anymore. And so, again, the best way to kind of look at that is really go, if I was not in this, would I be buying this today? If the answer is yes, well, then you shouldn't stop out of your position. If the answer is no, I wouldn't want to own it here, well, then you should get out of your position. And that's easier said than done, I know, because again, once you're in the trade, you've got the emotions running. But try to take an objective look at it and make the decision that way. And then in the future, make sure you never put yourself in that same situation again. So, you know, one of the things that it's a super cliche saying in the investing trading game is, you know, never catch a falling knife and all that kind of stuff. So like right now, you know, with this stuff plummeting and you kind of just mentioned if you didn't have the proper risk mitigation set up and your account's down a lot more, or let's say you did stop out of all your positions and now you're just on cash, right? What signs would you look for to confirm a reversal to be like, okay, now is time to actually get back in? Because I think that one of the hard things, you know, for me has been every day, it seems like there's this fake out bounce. You know what I mean? Like it seems like it plummets a bunch and then it bounces and it's going, going, going. And I'm like, crap, if I wait too much longer to get in, then, you know, I'm going to miss like the returns. Whereas then like, okay, then I buy in and then all of a sudden it crashes further than it was before. I think it's like this vicious cycle that I get in personally, you know, trying to like time it, you know what I mean? And I know there's this whole like time in the market versus timing the market and all that from a trading standpoint, what would you suggest? So sure. I mean, from a trading standpoint, to me, it sounds like what you've just said is you're zoomed way too far. You're watching a five minute chart and seeing this big bounce and you're getting all excited because you think it's going to turn around. If you pull up a chart of the NASDAQ right now and you look at the last three days of trading, it's just been a straight move down. There has been no bounce on a daily chart, right? Today actually is the first time we're starting to see a semblance of a bounce. The low for the NASDAQ today was 296. We're at 306 right now. The open yesterday was at 308. So we're still not even back to yesterday's open. If I'm looking for some sort of sign of a reversal, I want to see a close higher than the previous day, and then I want to see follow through the next day, right? That's what I'm looking for, okay? Because without any sort of follow through, it doesn't really mean anything, right? So if you're looking at candlestick patterns, I'll see people go, oh, it's a hammer candle. We got to get in because it's a hammer candle. The hammer candle doesn't mean anything until the next day you get follow through to the upside. When you get followed through the upside of the next day, now that hammer candle can be counted on. But just because you have that setup doesn't mean anything. So while we've gotten a nice 10-point bounce off the bottom of the day today in the NASDAQ, we haven't breached any key level to make me go, we've bottomed out. Now, we did bounce. Where we did bounce today, we bounced off of a major level. So I have that line drawn on my chart. I've talked about it before. If you're looking at QQQ, look at the high from last October. It was like 297. Look at the high from November. It was 297. Where do we fall to today? 296. We fell to a previous level. So I would have expected a bounce today, but I don't know whether that will follow through until I see it take out yesterday's highs and continue on up. 
I don't need to catch the bottom, right? I never want to try to catch the bottom. In fact, the saying is the most amount of money is lost in the stock market on the last eighth of a move in both directions. People trying to time tops and people trying to time bottoms lose more money than at any other point in time. The reason is just what you said. Man, this looked like a bounce. I'm going to get in and it keeps going lower. Man, this looks like the bounce. I'm going to get in and it keeps going lower. Now you've taken three, four, five little cuts. Those add up pretty quick. Whereas if you just wait for things to settle and bounce back up, it's going to be a lot better. Now, this is from a trading standpoint, not from an investing standpoint, right? From an investing standpoint, if you love a company at $380 and now it's trading at $280, you should still love it at $280 from a fundamental standpoint. That's when things go on sale. But from a trading standpoint, I like something better at $380 than I do $280 because you know me, I'm Mr. Breakout Trade. So with that, from an investing standpoint, just let's pivot to that just for the time being. Would you recommend, you know, like, dollar cost averaging on the way down? Um, do you just like recommend pocketing any profits? How do you manage your portfolio trying to get into longer positions and averaging down those positions? So I'm not going to average down in anything unless that was my original plan. So let's say, for example, I enter a stock at $100. Okay, If I'm planning to add it at 90 and also add it at 80, I'll take a third of a position at the $100. What I see too many people do is they buy a stock with a full position. It drops and they go, I'm going to average in. Well, when they buy that second lot, let's say it was $10,000 is what they were originally investing. If they invested $10,000 at that 100. When it drops to 90, they're down 1000 bucks. All right, That's their normal risk per trade. But now they're buying another $10,000. And when it drops to 80, now they're down $3,000. And then they add again, all of a sudden they're in a ton of pain. Whereas if I'm going to average into a position, I'm buying $3,300 at 100, I'm buying $3,300 at 90, I'm buying $3,300 at 80, I've got my cost basis at 90, and then I'm going to have like a you know, stop at 70. And that's when I don't want to be in it anymore. I've managed my risk to that beforehand. I'm never going to average into a position if I hadn't planned on doing it originally. Because all of a sudden I find myself with the largest position I ever have on a name that's going lower. I never want to do that. I want to average up. I would much rather buy 10,000 at 80 than another 10,000 at 90 than buy another 10,000 at 100. I'd rather average up than average down because at least I'm going with the trend. Right. That's the point. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's kind of contradictory to what a lot of these quote unquote gurus you know, are always saying, which is just constantly buy low, sell high. That is a strategy and an effective one, but I think that what you're explaining is the breakout trading is also effective. And you've talked about it before, like where you play the leaders and you know stay away from the laggers and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So buy low, sell high. That's something that Mr. Buffett did and does right over the course of decades. He spots a sector of the market that's just massively undervalued and buys it really low, and then waits till it comes up to full value. But his trades are decades long. What's interesting, and it's silly almost, is that people will use Warren Buffett's quotes on stocks that are trading at 1,000 PE. Mm. Buy when there's blood in the street on a stock that's losing money already. Warren Buffett would never buy that. You got to put different pieces together when you're thinking that through. It's not necessarily buy when there's blood in the street. It's buy when there's like a reason to make right. a purchase. And just because something's going yeah. down isn't. So the quote that I like better in terms of investment strategy is not buy low, sell high. It's buy high, sell mm -hmm. higher. 
Right. Yeah, no, that's good. And context matters, you know, with all these quotes and stuff that go out there. So one other question that I had, and I have talked to you prior to this, and you had mentioned that like you could kind of see this coming. Obviously, at this point, like it's super obvious that tech is slowly (laughs) declining, correcting, whatever. Anybody can see it at this point. How can you see it coming before it gets to this point? So it wasn't that I could necessarily see it coming, right? Because the original portion of the starting of the selling that you're always going to be a part of, because you can't just magically go, text topping out today. There's no button. You know, there's no, they don't ring a bell at the top. That's another quote for you there. Right. Um, but when I get stopped out of three or four positions in a row, and they're all tech names, and my basic materials positions in oil and uranium, they're continuing to break out. I can see that through the names that I'm playing. Tech's not working, basic materials is. So I go with what's working. So on my next trades, I'm probably more likely to buy those basic materials, things that I am tech. But the other pieces, the tech names stopped breaking out. Mm. So they weren't even triggering anymore. But you know, take example for Etsy. Etsy did break out three days ago at 240 and then today hit 180. That is gut-wrenching, right? right. right? If you're buying the breakout on Etsy three days ago, you're getting stopped out during that sell-off. There's nothing you can do about it. And there's nothing wrong with that if you've managed your risk properly. We can take losses and we're going to take losses. The best trading system in the world, you're going to lose 30% of the time, right? So again, it's about risk management. And if something's not working in one area, but something is working in another area, let me focus on what's working. And that's what it is. I couldn't have told you two and a half weeks ago that all tech was going to drop 10 plus percent and you know the world was going to look like it was ending in tech and everything else was going to be fine. But what I could tell you was, man, tech names have stopped breaking out. The ones that have broken out recently, like NVIDIA, fell right below their breakout spot within two days and were not acting right anymore, but banks kept going higher. So you know, what should I be looking at? Should I try to average down into NVIDIA while it's heading lower or should I just go with what's working? And that's really what it comes down to. It's, I love this ticker. You could hide the ticker from me and I could still make my decisions in terms of trading, right? The name of the company, what it is, doesn't matter. It's following what's working and the charts stopped working in tech and they started working in another area of the market. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I think you kind of touched on this already, So you mentioned like, you know, transports, like financials, oil, all of those are doing pretty well right now. Is there a correlation to, you know, those ones doing well and tech suffering? Like, is there some kind of shift that causes those to do better and tech to kind of suffer? There have been a couple of times over the last year where we've actually seen tech struggle and money go into other places. We actually saw this in the middle of last year as well, where tech really got beat up for a few days and money flowed into some other area of the market. And then money came back into tech. What it's really a function of is people are taking profits. That's what happens. It's like, man, I'm up a thousand percent on this stock in nine months. I should take some profit. Somebody starts taking some profit, then somebody else starts taking some profit. Then all of a sudden, there's not a lot of buyers for that. And all of a sudden, those names are breaking down. But now that I've got my cash after taking my profit in that tech name that I made a thousand percent on, I'm looking and I'm going, wow, oil's names are trading really cheap historically against where the price of oil is right now. They could have a good year this year. Let me put some money into them. And that's really what's going on. It's kind of rotation. The other piece is the rates. We have real rates rising. 
not the Fed rates, but the real interest rates are rising. If you've looked at getting a mortgage, it was under 3% for a 30-year two weeks ago. Now it's 3.5%. The cost of money to borrow money is going up. If you look at tech as a whole, not the main big companies, but as a whole, it is just filled with money-losing companies. You know, they're trying to take the Amazon approach of, I just need to capture all the market share I can, and I'm going to hemorrhage money along the way. If interest rates go up, those companies, it's more expensive for them to borrow money. Companies that are losing money can't survive forever. They have to borrow money in order to continue. In fact, Tesla, while it's done a phenomenal job, if you look back a few years ago, bankruptcy was the main concern that people were talking about, right? It's could they get past bankruptcy because they were blowing through money like no tomorrow. There was always cash sitting on the sidelines for them to be able to borrow. People were willing to give money to Tesla and they were able to continue to borrow until they turned that corner and then boom, off to the races. If the cost of borrowing money goes too high, the companies that are losing money that need to borrow money in order to continue their operations may not be able to borrow money. They may not make it. There is that concern. And the other piece is, as rates go up, I can leave money in my checking account and get a 2 or 3 or 4% interest rate versus owning a tech company that's trading at 1,000 PE. When interest rates are really low, I can't leave money in the bank because I'm getting a tenth of a percent a year. I can't outpace inflation. But if interest rates go up, I can take essentially risk-free you know, government treasuries, et cetera, and get a yield that is safe without risking it in the market. And so if rates continue to go up, we'll see more money come out of the market and into guaranteed safety. Right. So that's what everybody's talking about with rates. And that's part of the reason why I think tech got hit hardest is because of the multiples that it's trading at. And if I can get a return on my money without taking a huge risk, if interest rates go up, I'll do that versus leaving it in a higher risk area of the market. Now, again, we haven't broken down at this point, but we're kind of near that spot where that could happen. So it hasn't happened yet. Very interesting, man. Very interesting. This has been super helpful. And it's a scary time for newer investors, newer traders, you know, because like Mike had mentioned earlier, for a lot of people, this is the first time that we've experienced anything like this because most of us, you know, got in right after the last one, which was, you know, in March last year with the pandemic. And it's been pretty much straight up since there. And contrary to popular belief, stonks do not always go up, you know. So, you know, that's going to be a hard lesson to learn for a lot of people. Fortunately, we have in our Discord invested in your knowledge and the knowledge of a lot of other experienced traders and investors to have, you know, educate us on that stuff ahead of time. So this comes as no surprise to a lot of us, I think. And, you know, that this stuff happens and, you know, it's just a matter of managing your risk, understanding how to diversify your portfolio and where to move your funds, where to look for the good stuff. So thank you for that. Hopefully the people that have been listening to our podcast who maybe aren't in our discord yet have also prepared for this based on previous episodes from you and others that have also talked about managing risk and doing this stuff responsibly. There's a lot of discords and Facebook groups that I'm part of and watch and stuff. And they're still just shooting off calls left and right. And they're losing and, you know, 99 out of a hundred of them, but they're looking for that one winner. So if you're seeing a lot of that, then those things are something to definitely be cognizant of and careful of because right now is the time to maybe watch in certain areas and get active in others and, you know, just manage that risk. So thank you for this. 
Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I'll leave you with one last quote. And it's cash is a position. And at times, it's a powerful one. We don't have to do something every day. We just don't, right? If market's not set up for what we're trying to accomplish, we can sit on the sidelines. Jeff C. Livermore would literally leave New York City, go to Florida and get on a boat for months at a time because there wasn't anything to do. The market wasn't conducive. He would just get up and leave, right? And then when things got good, he was right back there in the action. So you know, rather than trying to force something in, if you sit on the sidelines, a couple of things happen. One, you're not taking lots of little losses, but two, you're not fighting that mental battle. So when the market does reset up, you got a clear head and you're ready to actually accomplish what needs to be accomplished. So it's a twofold. You actually keep your money and you also keep your sanity, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. And there's also something to be said about taking times like this when you should be on the sidelines in the market and, you know, invest in yourself in a different way and start soaking up knowledge and learning and practicing things and reading and jumping into podcasts like this and listening to stuff to kind of be ready for when the market does turn around and it's time to get back into it, you know? So thank you, Mike, as always. Other Mike, no, you got anything I think, else? I all right, we're going to skip the corny dad jokes this time cuz like we said this is a serious episode. So we want to make sure that you know, no, in and out. Just a quick one wanted to get this out to you guys. This was recorded on short notice, so sorry to our podcast editor Chris for having to have this turned around super fast for us so we can get it out on Tuesday, but I thought that it was really important and timely. So thank you guys. Those of you who are listening in live right now, you know, you can go jump into the classroom and the Discord and Mike will do uh, some additional Q&A, some screen sharing and some additional education in there for you guys. Any questions that you have, you can ask there. So thanks for listening. As always, please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Download, follow us on Instagram, join us on our Facebook group and come see the Discord. See what you're missing out on. It's pretty awesome. Stockdadsofficial.com slash plans. Thanks, guys. We're out. Thank you for listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and join our Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram. But most importantly, don't touch the thermostat.